It's six-pack double feature. Two friends, two movies, two mics, and too many beers. They watch, they drink, they talk, you listen. Today, Nathan and Travis head to the mysterious Far East with Big Trouble in Little China and The Golden Child. Now, pay attention. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. Ow! They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. They told him to go to hell. He make one move. And that's just where he's going. My destiny rests in your capable hands. Hey, I'll do my best. This is gonna take Cracker Jack timing, Wang. One, two, three. We may be trapped. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Jack. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. 20th Century Fox presents Big Trouble in Little China. It's on the reflexes. Big Trouble in Little China. It's the uh, six-pack double feature, Nathan. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm Travis. I'm Nathan. And, uh, yeah, this is our show, six-pack double feature. We, uh, we watch movies. And we drink beer and talk about them because why? Well, why not? Why not? Indeed. I'll, I'll skip around a little bit. What are you drinking today? Oh, I'm drinking <laughs> what you got me hooked on a few years ago. It's the Clamato and Bud Light Chilada. Oh, they're man, they're the best. Crush them in the yard in the in the heat. I'm drinking a uh, Sierra Nevada. You said it right. What is it? Otraves? Yeah. It's a Goza style beer. Or ale, rather, uh, with uh, a Gozer style beer. Gozer, um, it's an ancient <laughs> Sumerian beer made of marshmallows. Oddly enough, what movies? Our we movies, watch? our movies today, are Big Trouble in Little China, paired with The Golden Child. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. We're gonna start with Big Trouble in Little China because, spoiler alert, uh, it's the better of the two movies. <laughs> um, also, uh, if you haven't seen either of these movies and you're still listening, um, we don't give a damn about spoilers. So, and these movies are 31 years old. Yeah. So if you haven't seen these by now, well, put us on pause, go watch it, and come back. Yeah. Hey, we're still here. Okay. So <laughs> was this the? This was what the second, second or third time John Carpenter and Kurt Russell had worked together. This was the. I think this is number three of four. I think he only... Did, oh, five. He's done five movies. The only one I haven't seen that he paired with, he, I think... Uh, I also have a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Carpenter did a made-for-TV movie called Elvis, and he played... Oh, yeah. yeah. He did Elvis. But the only ones that I'm that really familiar with are uh, Escape from New York and The Thing 
and then Big Trouble in Little China, and then the other one that we really don't like to mention, which is Escape from L.A. I don't know what you're talking about. Because that one's... I don't know. <laughs> I have horrible. no memory of that. Um, <laughs> th- my point with that is John Carpenter and Kurt Russell together are always... It's almost always, I guess. Uh, Four out of five. It's 80% it, success rate. Yeah, that's, you know, I don't know what that batting average would be, but that's it's damn, it's, it's damn good. Yeah. They're, they're always entertaining. They seem to, to play well with each other. Well, in uh, Big Trouble in Little China, I, I wrote up a, a small summary. Please do, <laughs> because those, mine is sprawling and rambling. And <laughs> I couldn't, you can't read your chicken scratch half the time, and when you can, you're like, I don't know if I want to read that into this microphone. Into a microphone. Uh, in the words of John Carpenter himself, oh. Big Trouble in Little China is an action-adventure comedy kung fu ghost story monster movie. Well, he doesn't well, lie. He's not no, lying. No, that is very accurate. Kurt Russell plays Jack Burton, truck driver extraordinaire and proprietor of the Pork Chop Express. <laughs> when Jack accompanies his pal Wang Chi to the airport to pick up a green, excuse me, his green-eyed fiance, all hell breaks loose. Wang's fiance is kidnapped by a Chinese street gang, which leads to a gang fight of epic proportions, a stolen truck, and the revelation that there's more going on than Jack Burton is capable of comprehending, leading to a centuries-old mystical showdown in Chinatown. That's my summary. That's my That's... free synopsis without giving away too much information necessarily on the movie. One of the most important things to note about about old Jack Burton is when we first meet him, he's driving his semi. Uh, presumably, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, it's empty, but still heavy. But he's hauling it to San Francisco, so he may be bringing something. Could be. In the rain, at night, and he's wearing sunglasses. Oh, and he's eating a, a gigantic... Well, I'm assuming a giant, like ham gas station or... ham sandwich or something. <laughs> and you just—he's just dripping with this swagger and bravado, and you know. Well, what makes this movie is that Jack Burton's his brash, like cornball, gung ho attitude is what makes the movie work. Yeah, I was—I was doing a bit of research on it, and he basically—if you can't tell by watching it—he's—he's he's doing his best, like comic book John Wayne. Yeah. A uh, John Wayne who is uh, incapable of doing things correctly. <laughs> yeah. it's every, he, he's, he falls backwards just luckily into either saving the day or just narrowly escaping. But yeah, he's, he's not uh, adept <laughs> at the hero gig, you know? But he goes... He t- so he's... Is Wang a detective? I don't know what Wang does. I'm not sure what Wang does for a living. It looks like Short Round grew up and got Indiana Jones jacket and and hat. Mm -hmm. I know they may have been going for that because it was 86 just after Temple of Doom. I don't know. Um, Actually, Jackie Chan was originally supposed to play that part. But he didn't speak English well enough. Or the studio said that Jackie Chan didn't speak English well enough. Which, that would have been awesome. <laughs> you know, it could have been kind of a fun little buddy. Yeah. But Jackie Chan wasn't that big of a name at the time. It took him another ten years or so uh, to kind of cement himself in the American action Yeah, I thing, remember but. the first time I saw Jackie Chan in the, in the theater was the Rumble, Rumble in the Bronx. Bronx yeah, 95. Yeah. Um, God, I'm old. Um, anyway, I just... <laughs> I'm looking at my notes here, and I, what I see is I, I always want him to slice that bottle cleanly. 
Every time I watch it, it's like... It's you're like, hoping for an alternate take to pop in there? Yeah. It's like every time you watch Back to the Future, you're always glued, is, is he going to make it this time? And every time I watch Big Trouble, I'm always like, he's going to... Okay, today's the day that he cuts that beer bottle in half. Nope. Nope. But, so that, that, that it's makes... It's all in the reflexes. It's, it is. <laughs> uh, that, that, that scene happens at the end of a uh, long overnight poker game right. where Jack takes all of Wang's money and Wang bets him double or nothing... Uh, no, nothing, nothing or double. double. That <laughs> always bothers me when I write nothing or double, Jack. Nothing or double. I'm gonna start saying it. I'm uh, gonna start saying it. Uh, Maybe nothing, I won't. Nothing, nothing or double. If it bothers you, I won't say it. Yeah. So Jack loses the bet and has to take Wang in a semi to the airport to pick up his 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 well, girl that he says himself he hasn't seen. Well, maybe Wang doesn't have his own car because well he's a reckless gambler. That's why that's apparent. And <laughs> Jack's only got one car. And that's a truck. You remember the days when you could drive a semi to the airport? You just can't. You can't do that yeah, kind of thing now. Yeah. He says himself though that he hasn't seen this girl since they were five, and he's still bum over noggin in love with her. Maybe they were pen pals. pals? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So they're in the airport, and uh, the yakuza shows up. In their little disco, their little yeah, breakdance outfits. Yeah, the Chinese. Yeah, what the I love is one of them have the sunglasses where it's got the the slits. Yeah, the, the slits Kanye's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are called Kanye's now. Well, no, that's just what I. Oh, okay. how I remember. Well, that makes sense. Uh, Nothing. Yeah, they show up. Uh, Gracie Law is there sure. as well to meet up with his fiance as well. I was never clear on the, why. I never understood why either. She just kind of like a she's a reporter or. Yeah, she, she's a she's a no nonsense lady reporter uh, played by Kim Cattrall, um, who they forced to wear green contacts. Yes, well, they they, they, both of them had to be forced yeah. to wear green contacts. Um, yeah, she's kind of just shoehorned in, all of a sudden, just out of out of nowhere, she just appears. Yeah, almost like maybe her intro scene was deleted because it wasn't. No, it's, a little, it's just a little clunky how she shows up. Yeah, uh, but my benefit is, is every time I put this movie in, I always initially get it mixed up thinking I'm watching Temple of Doom, and I'm like, oh, God, i got to listen to Kim Cattrall scream through the entire movie <laughs> like Kate Capshaw does. And then I realize, nope, that's not the case here. Because she doesn't. Because she doesn't. She, she does, get her share, does get herself into her share of strange Situations? traps and pitfalls. <laughs> right, yeah, but, but it's not. She's always trying to sort close. her own way out of it. Right. She doesn't need or want Jack to help her out because honestly he probably would exacerbate it. And I don't know. And sometimes he does. But yeah, she's uh she turns up and there's like a handmaiden or something that gets kidnapped first and then uh I have her name written down here. Um Miao Yin, which uh is Chinese for cat like. Look that up. Oh, that's good to know. That's Wang's uh green eyed bride. Did not mean to make that rhyme. But I did and you can keep that. Um, yeah, she, she just turns up all of a sudden and kind of runs off with Jack into the, the, uh, parking lot. She's very trusting with someone that she has no idea who that is <laughs> in a tank top. And a Baja. He yeah. has a Baja. It's like a Baja. Oh, that's right. He and saddle bags. Yes, saddle bags. He's a cowboy. Yeah. Kinda. Well, <laughs> you do know that that was this... Script was originally written as a western. I right? did, yeah. Which it totally. I had no idea until I was rewatching it last week, and Lisa looked it up and goes, "Did you know this was originally written as a western, but instead of his truck getting stolen, it's his horse." horse. And I'm like, "You go through all the the 
the plot points mm-hmm. and like oh that makes perfect sense but apparently when it was read as a western it was horrible and i think so, it would be so cool as a western if you're talking would, about yeah, the rock wanting to, it, yeah yeah you're talking about the rock western? wanting yeah. to redo it if they reboot it as a western i'm still not cool with the rock doing it but i think that i think as a yeah, I don't know if you, the time. I'm trying to think what the title would be, but it, it, I think it would work really cool as like a cheesy tongue-in-cheek western. Now. The Rock wouldn't work in a western period. I don't think. I don't see him in that type of. I don't either. Maybe a cameo or something. I don't know. I don't know. But this show's not about the Rock. This show's about Big Trouble in Little China and the Golden Child, which we haven't even gotten to yet. I'm okay with that. Um, so, uh, Mr. Shaw, he's the he's the Kenny Kramer, I guess of. <laughs> of San Francisco, and he's got his own little bus tour um, <laughs> around Chinatown. Kenny Kramer was the—he's the guy that based it off Kramer in real life. So you're talking yeah. about Egg Shen? Egg Shen, yeah. Yes, and um, his uh, Mr. Shan. Bus. I'm sorry, I have Mr. Shan. My handwriting again makes Shan look like Shaw. Uh, that bus, uh, <laughs> incidentally, is—it it was a Yellowstone tour bus, mm-hmm. and it currently is a Yellowstone tour bus that goes out to Old Faithful. Only if it still says, what was the name? I can't remember what the name was on the bus. Egg Fushin's like something. Happy Time Tour. <laughs> <laughs> if it still looked like that, that would make me want to go to Yosemite to try to find the bus. Absolutely. I had the same thought. Uh, how, can I, how can I get a uh, weekend trip to Yosemite? That's a long trip. Um, a bus. So, need to rewind a bit. They, they wedged the beginning of the... At the top of the cold open, this sort of super cold open, I guess, of Shan talking to some district attorney or something. Yeah. To kind of add a little more credence to the... Uh, Jack Burton's character. Yeah, that he's not a bumbling doofus, which yeah. I mean, you, you could have made the intro to that another hour and a half long, and you and then you watch the movie, you still find out he's sort of a bumbling... Doofus. Maybe not doofus, but bumbling... Ham hock, yeah, you know, uh, it just I know it feels weird to have it at the beginning of the movie. The movie should have just started, and then you meet Mr. Shan on the bus. I don't know. Um, I think that was against the director's choice. Yeah, it was. Okay, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know John Carpenter personally, but no. Well, <laughs> look, there's the there's this thing called the internet, and yep. if we both researched enough about the movie, we know and everything that on it, it is true. Studio, yeah, right. Um, that the studio wanted, I think the studio had no idea how to market this movie and rightfully so. True. It's weird. It is weird. And I think that because they had no idea to market it and they really wanted to make sure the selling point was Jack Burton is the hero Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is to plug him in at the beginning. It's not, it's America totally out of place. And I think it doesn't bother me as much probably because of how many times I've seen it. And it's just the movie. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Warts and all. I would. I, I have no problem with this movie whatsoever. Yeah. I absolutely. I love this movie. Well, I mean, if we go down, I didn't have anything on. And to be honest with you, I didn't have anything about what doesn't work when we were going through kind of like our points of like, how's the pacing? What's your first impression? Well, it's hard for me to gain my first impression. I've been watching this movie on and off for at least the past twenty years. I didn't grow up watching this one as a kid, but. I picked up on it when I started going through a lot of my, um, going through a lot of films and picking out directors that I really wanted to see what they've done. And sure. John Carpenter was one of them because of what he did with Halloween and, and going through all of that. And um, 
And so I've been a fan of this movie for 20 plus years. But I don't feel like there isn't really anything that doesn't work. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thumbing through my notes here. Sorry if I I'm make, gone what, dead. What did I, I have nothing. I have my nothing. My note says very little. Yeah. <laughs> did I express what that little was? No. I mean, the music is still... like A lot of times music will date a movie. And the music is still perfect for what? Until the credits roll. You know, that's John Carpenter's band. Yeah, I know. And yeah. it's horrible. It is still... <laughs> I, I finished watching it the other night. And we were we were in bed, and Lisa was already asleep, and a, just, the credits just rolled up, and the <laughs> song starts playing, and Lisa readjusts and turns over to the other side, and she goes, that is the worst closing credits song <laughs> ever. The worst. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't understand. Look, he Carpenter always, almost always, or almost always did, the music for his own film. Sure. And for the most part, that works. And the sort of... It gives his movies at large a, a, a package kind of feel. It makes... Not not their own universe, necessarily, but their own... Oh, well, it's a, it's a Tim Burton movie, so Danny Elfman's got the music. It's a John Carpenter movie, so he's got the John Carpenter music. And it, it works, and it's... I, I, I like that. Because he, he... just It's a little extra thing that he cares about. Do you know what um, the name of his band is called? I can't remember. What is it? The Coupe de Vils. Yeah. It sounds like a like a, a glitter country band, like a three piece, like a Dwight Yoakam I mean, sounding. Do you want to torture the listeners? To yeah, what play, play a bit of the song. All right, the Coupe de Ville's from the end credits. And uh, oh, I got the music video. Just go away. <laughs> Take this away. <laughs> Man. The video is horrible. <laughs> so, yeah. There's a lot of mullets in it, and it's just John Carpenter and his buddies. I think his the guys in his band are like Nick Castle, which is a guy who did uh, The Shape of Michael Myers. Oh, okay. okay. Um, was it one of the guys a member of the crew on the movie? I think one they're all the like members? guys that he went to film school with. Because okay. I think he went to USC, and I think Nick Castle went to USC. I could look up more information on his band, the Coupe de Ville's, but I really don't. Yeah, don't want to. Don't, don't. <laughs> um. It's, um, that's what doesn't work. The closing. <laughs> song, if you if you're that invested and you hit the credits and then that ruins it for you, it's almost understandable, but it's forgivable. Because it's about the only sin that this movie really makes. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to analyze. It. <laughs> I don't. I've been. I've been scouring. I don't have anything. Well, actually, I say that you scoured. I scoured a little. Here's the bottom of my barrel. What doesn't work? I've got. Um, Wang was supposed to be the hero uh, in the original script, and America didn't like the little Asian guy being the. Yeah, but the if student. you really watch it, but I mean, in my like... closing comments, you'll kind of hear it because with this movie, it flipped it on its head. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why the studio had had no logical way to sell it as sure. much as they could. But I mean, if you come across this the first time, you look at it, and go, "Oh, well, look at that! It's Kurt Russell, and he's wearing a tank top, and he's got an, and he's got an Uzi, and he must be <laughs> the hero." When in fact, in a lot of ways, he's not. There's no real clearly defined hero. They're both kind of the hero, and they're both kind of the sidekick. 
and it's not confusing in any way or anything. It's it, that's how it would actually be in real life. It's just a group of people with this weird, weird, weird circumstances situation. <laughs> yeah, right. But the everyone serves their purpose, and everyone kind yeah. of does what needs to be done. Yeah, and it's it's I, only it's only Jack Burton that catches his knife and throws it back right into <laughs> uh, Low Pan's head. What so. uh, as far as the pacing goes, I don't have. I, I've, as I've gotten older, my attention span has gotten worse or better. Worse. I know it's worse. Way worse. Uh, it's hard for me to sit and watch. I, uh, a Lisa's, movie. Lisa's the same way. She's like, there's certain movies there. She's like, I can't watch this now. What? Like Close Encounters. She's like, why? It just moves so slowly. Yeah. It's a good movie, but it moves so slowly. It's sad. It's just it's just a state of our society. Well, but uh, I don't let humans I, in general. I guess I don't know. But the pacing for this is 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 great. It's quick. And you like the story almost starts in the middle yeah it kind of feels that way like well it doesn't slow down and that's what works with the pacing of this film is that every every scene is succinct and just it follows the action and it doesn't keep the viewer going okay what now what's next yeah um yeah you meet everybody real quick other than that weird clunky thing at the beginning with the you leave jack burton alone uh it's like he'd be hard to find to yeah. start with. Just turn on a damn CB and he's on there blustering about something. But um, yeah, you meet everybody really quick, and then chase starts, and then before you know it, you end up in this alley where all these dudes dressed like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat <laughs> show up. And, and how many different types of weapons are they going to go out and use from knives and then swords and then guns and then what do you call them? The the Raidens. The three Raidens. Which I think I started looking that up once you texted me the other day. And I was like, oh, well, they kind of based... They based Raiden they, off of that. Yeah, they based from Mortal, the, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And they based... Uh, yeah. I haven't played the game in years. There's a character named Shang Tsung. I think he's sort of the dungeon master of the game. But they based him off of uh, David Lopan, who we oh, haven't even met nice. yet. Thunder, but, rain, and lightning. But there's this this massive... These, these dudes dressed like Scorpion fight this other gang of dudes dressed like Spock from Star Trek 4 who uh, will <laughs> he, Spock in Star Trek 4 turns up again later in this podcast so stay tuned for that um, yeah and then they, there's like a funeral procession and they gun him down and then there's just this mad knockdown drag out fight and this other dude turns up with he's got six shooters and he's shooting people and somehow that is that has to be I've never been to Frisco but that has to be the widest alley in San Francisco for it Jack is. to get that truck down there and then make a left turn. Yeah. So, movies, kids, it's not all real. Not all real. You find out that uh, Miao Yen is she's special because she has green eyes and she's sold into some sort of well, it's sex, 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 sex. Yeah, sex. Sex trade. Sex trade. Sex worker. Uh, Jack goes in as a regular old hooker getter. <laughs> To bust her out. I had no idea that regular old hooker getter was such a common term. It's going to be now. It's going to it's going to work its way organically into the lexicon. Regular old hooker getter, just a guy in a suit, which um, that's the suit he wore in the movie uh, Used Cars. Oh yeah, I read that too. Do you also the reason why he was so sweaty in that shot? Yeah, hundred and he had a, he was working through a flu. Yeah. <laughs> So, and if I'm not mistaken, there was a movie he did with Robin Williams called Classmates or something. Oh, yeah. They shot that movie at 
my uh, I never went to high school there because they moved the high school. They shot that in Moore Park. They shot that in my hometown where my sister went to high school. Oh. Um, I'd have to look. Was at it classmates though? Uh, yeah, those two are in the movie, and they go back and play football. I've never seen it. I've seen it ages ago. I can't remember what it's called. But his hair, he's, his his glasses and his hair are combed kind of like they are in the cover of that, which is just a couple nice little send-ups to his, right. uh, some past works, I guess. Um, and after the end of everything and driving through Lopan, shooting oh, yeah. light out of his eyes and yep. mouth, uh, and then... How does he get his truck stolen? Or they just get out and doing not, stuff, and they turn around, and it's gone. Because yeah. that's always who takes it. They unfair. never show. They never. It's like, oh, the truck's gone. Now he's 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 on. They're on foot. Right through the streets of San Francisco. Um, yeah. So fast forward a bit through some fighting and clandestine hooker getting, and this low pan that you see in the alley, you see him, and he's all Sith Lord or whatever. But he's this decrepit little old man in a wheelchair. Who looks like he's about 175 years old and, and that they covered in KY jelly. I was going to say cornflakes and deep fried. But he but looks yeah. greasy. Yeah, he, he's not. He does look greasy. Maybe not. not maybe gooey, he had a, but he looked greasy. Maybe like, he's yeah. had just a freshly off of a, a chemical peel. That's possible. Trying to keep himself young. I don't the know. The best of times. Um, <laughs> That's the name of the movie you're talking about. The best of times. Okay. The one with Robert. And it Williams. says it says nineteen eighty four on it. That's right. Yeah. Did you just look that up? I sure did. Man, the internet's awesome. It is. Um, so they uh, Jack and Jack and the company they go after Meow Yen at old Dave's place. I like I really liked the uh, O L E on this. Old Yeah, I kept writing that down. Old, old Dave. Old regular old hooker getter. Uh yeah, they go there to rescue her and surprise booby trap. There's a fun bit of trivia. Did you know that uh I still I'm trying to fathom what this would have looked like. You know Kurt Russell turned down the role of Connor McCloud and Highlander <laughs> to be in this? There could be only one. I I can't There can be only one Snake Pliskin. As, but there can there can be only one Jack Burton. But yeah, that would be really weird. I as shit of a movie as Highlander was in its in its way I love Highlander. Maybe we should, maybe we should watch Highlander for a future yay. episode. Yeah, you sound thrilled. <laughs> So yeah, Lopan is immortal. Hey, surprise! He's 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 cursed to not be flesh and blood. He's you leave Jack Burton alone. <laughs> he's like a what is he? Just pure energy? Yeah, something. I don't know. He's I don't trapped know. in a shell. All I know is he needs to marry a girl with green eyes, or eventually two women. He's like he's a polygamist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I wish I were mortal again. <laughs> And immediately, as soon as he's mortal again, he ties himself down by getting married. Yeah. You gotta play the field, old Dave. Yeah. Get See what happens. There. You See get a yeah. knife in the forehead. Um, in the brain. So they, they infiltrate his little stronghold there in the little China fish district. Fish, and, I love the fish district. And uh, Jack and Wayne get captured, fish. and I have, I have it written here, <laughs> whooped on by the three Raidens. The one guy is using, what is he, is he wind? Yeah, uh, it's... Thunder, rain, and lightning. Thunder, so it has to be, I guess. Well, we know which one uh, is lightning. lightning. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain which one thunder and rain is. Which is the one that can inflate himself? Uh, I'm thinking that's... Oh, I'm not sure. I'm uh, thinking that's thunder. Okay. 
Well, he he beats up on 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 Jack with a tennis ball by levitating it and then force pushing it into. Uh-huh. And, I don't know. He just he beats Jack up in a, in a really weird way. Like he, he doesn't want to get his hands dirty, um, which I wouldn't either. He has a nice suit. <laughs> yeah, that's. The, <laughs> oh, what do I have here? Uh, so they whoop, they're whooping on him, and uh, <laughs> again, old Dave Lopan turns up, and super old this time, like the the greasy, yeah, the greasy, like we were talking about, seventy five year old Chinaman. Yep. Yeah. And he drops the other shoe that the woman with green eyes will set him free of the uh, the curse he's in, and yeah, we'll get we'll get him back in his new body, but there has to be a sacrifice. Big mouth, and did you did this set kind of remind you of like the opening scene from Temple of Doom? Like the yeah, like yeah. the big mouth scene and the escalator. Do you find it odd that there's an escalator? <laughs> it's just weird. It's, isn't it an escalator? I swear. I, I don't it think a, it's just stairs. I but was, I could be wrong. I thought the only thing I remember is the incline with the old wheelchair yeah. later. Uh, that goes into the mouth. There's an escalator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an escalator. It's, it's like all, they shot it in an old mall. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it looked like, an old mall. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's then so Jack and Wang bust out and they're just running through the catacombs of this place, um, actually through the sewers, and the girls get recaptured, and this is for for no reason. This furry rancor shows up. You remember that character? It's like they yeah. all of a sudden they it's had the it. monster that shows up at the end that didn't get killed. <sighs> Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Um, Spoiler alert. For the uh, for the sequel, Bigger Trouble in Littler China. There's a, a fat testicle with eyes. Oh God! Thank in you it. for that image. And for he's the he's like the seer, so he's like a remote yes. camera, basically. Yes. So Lopan can track them everywhere they are, and then he sends this furry. I have furry rancor here. Um, furry for those of you that aren't Star Wars fans like I you am, have no idea what we're referring to. A uh, picture, maybe it's gross looking. It's just it's gross. It looks like a, a flying testicle with eyeballs. Thank you again. That's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> the flying testicle with well, eyeballs. I was wondering what it was going to be, and now Once we know. <laughs> um, hey, there's there's a wedding coming up, but first a lengthy demonstration of weaponry and basic movement. <laughs> What the hell? Yes. What sort of dog and pony show? Let's let's before it's a ceremony. Maybe it's a ceremony. Oh, okay. That, I don't I, know. I the, for the knives that were not used. Different cultures. Yeah, they had to get those. They bought those. They rented those knives, so they had to damn get them in the in the movie yes. one way or another. That's right. A knife pageant. Nice. Lower <laughs> lower little China knife pageant finals of 1986. <laughs> nope. You know what that was? That was a purity test. Oh. That's what that was. So yeah, they uh, they bust in. Um, for some reason, I did all, there's this all by itself. I have written John Carpenter's Star Wars. <laughs> Is this his version of Star Wars? No, I have no idea why I have that written down. I just turned to see that. Was that after your third or fourth? Uh, this is page six of my seven-page <laughs> note. So this, you know, I'd had a couple. For those who aren't listening, that means we still have three more pages of notes. Uh, no, the, the rest of it goes pretty quick. <laughs> I write big. Um, so yeah, they, they, they bust the ladies out. Just write big or go home. And, uh... You're in Nosey, wears like these like leather moccasin... Yeah, what's up with that? ...things. Those are... Weird. Yeah, they're weird. They work for his outfit and for what... 
Do they? Kinda. Maybe only because it's now iconic. I guess. I don't know what they were thinking. They're well, because he's a truck driver. He's not a. He's not like a motorcyclist. So he has to have knee-length, <laughs> almost velvet boots. Okay. Looks like something Tina Turner would wear skiing. Maybe. Uh, what's the? Uh, how's the movie end, Nathan? After the wedding at the used-up neon Saved by the Bell Mall Temple of Doom <laughs> thing. <laughs> Just throwing words. It's outside of the... Uh, it's all in the reflexes. We got the... I th- was it? Does he throw the knife once? Misses. They pick it up. Lopan picks it up. Throws it back. Jack catches it. Throws it right back. Square in catches the forehead. Old, catches old Dave right between yeah, the eyes. Dave catches it perfectly right in his forehead. <laughs> because he's mortal. Now. Yes. Because the wedding did happen, huh? Yes. So. He doesn't kiss the girl. I like which that. Which is very untraditional. I like that works. twist, yeah. Um, and then he drives off. Into the moon set. Talking more BS on his uh, trucker radio. The Pork Chop Express, and then what do we see at the end, right before we cut, is your furry rancor. Yeah, or hiding out on, hiding out underneath the on his under, undercarriage of Dave or uh, Jack's truck. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's that's the end of it. Yeah, does it still hold up? Yeah, I think it still holds up. I mean, I, I didn't want to nitpick. Nothing really stood out. Like, man, that's a bad special effect. Some of them are a little more dated than others, but I'll be honest with you. When we sit down here, when we take a break and come back and talk about Golden Child, the visuals in this movie hold up so much better than the Golden Child. At least those movies both had the same budget of $25 million approximately. Um, You could see the $25 million with Big Trouble. Yeah, I don't see. I see a paycheck <laughs> with Eddie Murphy's name on it. Yeah, is the, what I see with the Golden Child. What, with and with as is the case for me anyway with any John Carpenter movie. I feel like if he didn't grow up poor, he just he really somewhere in his life he learned how to stretch a dollar. Yeah, because a lot of his effects are in camera. There's some lame. I don't know if it's rotoscoping, but after you know lightning and stuff. But a lot of his effects are practical, and the, I mean the creature creations, while gross and greasy, are still they're still cool. And they st- it's like it's like a comic book. It's like a fun comic book on the screen, and it really like it really works. I, I it's it never it never wavers for me. It still holds up. Okay, well, there's two other things, and then I'll kind of close out with what how I my final thoughts on it. It's like wait, what's your favorite quote? <laughs> Is that that I? That yep, that was okay. one of them. Okay, favorite quote. You go. Jack Burton's. Okay, you. you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's the stupidest crap. And I love it. That's pretty good. It's so stupid. <laughs> but it's amazing at the same time. Did you have a. My favorite quote? Line? Yeah. And I'm not going to do the voice because I won't be able to sustain it. But. Just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earthquakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the and the pillars of heaven shake. Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the face and says, "Give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. I can take it." Man, I butchered. That's that. the last line, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he did, he delivers it, which is just is just dripping with. I think the other thing we talked about was I didn't see anything that I would do 
And sometimes we'll come across this and I won't be able to answer it. And sometimes I'll come across this and go, absolutely. If you could make one change mm. to the film, what would it be? Trim up the third act a bit. Just quicken the pace. Get to some meat is what I have written. Get to some meat. Just, there's just a little bit. They just they sort of languish a little bit. Or the movie, rather. Languishes just a little bit in all that back and forth of the chasing. I can kind of see that. But, I mean, but for the most part, I mean... If that, it's like you said, not much. No. There's not much I would change. There's not much that doesn't. What are your final thoughts? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China excels at being a premium B-movie that also knows it's a B-movie. Mm -hmm. The film never takes itself too seriously, feeling like a fun Friday night adventure or even just like the perfect Saturday matinee. It's just that that thematically just seems just spot on. While the film suffered at the box office, I believe that its commercial failure was probably due to several reasons. One, the studio had no idea how to market this film, and justifiably so. Two, John Carpenter was ahead of his time by pushing a postmodernist, humorist kind of tone that would take another decade before it started to become truly fashionable in films. Because for it to make fun of itself mm -hmm. to a degree... Mm -hmm. You didn't see that a lot in the 80s. That started kind of taking place in the 90s, and it's like the key word that we're looking at is kind of meta. To a degree, it was kind sure. of meta. And Scream really started that trend. West Carpenter. Yeah. Oh, well, West no, that Craven. was a Scraven. Okay. I can see how you can mix those two up initially because yeah. they're masters of their horror genre more sure. than anything else. Um, but three, the postmodern... Uh, slat of like flipping the cliche character roles that had become so iconic in the 80s, especially right smack in the middle. You know, our hero Jack Burton and his sidekick Wang are playing polar opposites to what has been played to death in the most traditional sense, despite like receiving star billing. Russell's Jack is actually a sidekick to Wang. While Wang has the knowledge, the skill, and the courage to make him a true classic hero figure, Jack lags behind, being brash, ignorant, and of little action, uh, excuse me, a little actual use in a fight. I mean, yeah. Other <laughs> than it wasn't, towards the finale, he fires off his gun knocks, and knocks himself out yeah. with the pieces of concrete <laughs> that hit him in the head at the end of the fight. Yeah. So, Big Trouble Little China is where Eastern martial arts mysticism meets John Wayne bravado with zany and often absurdly hilarious results. How can you not love a movie unwilling to take itself too seriously while at the same time still managing to keep a straight face? That's great. I agree with you totally. I've, I've said almost exactly the same thing in uh, different terms, but... Um, I've always loved this movie, and I love that Jack is basically a satire of every John Wayne ever, um, but he just keeps on trucking. And you mentioned it earlier that you always, as soon as you, as soon as Gracie turns up, you think, ah, she's oh going to yell through this entire and movie. She doesn't. That's, that's why Kim Cattrall took this movie, was because she had actually some things to do. Her character had some things to do in it. And I love that they... She wasn't the complete ditz. Yeah. Like they played. She was a still lot a plot device and she was still there to be in trouble and be rescued, but she wasn't, it wasn't as hit you it over the head. It wasn't Winnie in. It's Winnie. Isn't it Winnie in uh, Temple of Doom? Willie. Willie. Willie Scott. Uh, she does more than just scream and, uh, and, and scream for help. In short, it bucks a few, uh, it bucks a few norms from uh, history film. Um, you know, just the, the 
male female John Wayne classic kind right. of character layout. It's dark or darkish and uh, quirky, actiony, and John Carpenter at his best, in my opinion. Fun, fun movie. Um, no one gets the girl. Ellie doesn't even run off uh, right off into the sunset. Just another dark and stormy night for old Jack Burton. <laughs> well, I say we're going to take a quick break. Yep. And then uh, once you hear that trailer we're gonna... for The Golden Child, we're going to get into The Golden Child. We'll be right back. We have come to ask for the sacred cross dagger of a jaunty. For what reason? For the golden child. He does not need it. To save his life. The child lives for our sakes, not for his own. I humbly beg you, let us have the knife. Let him ask it. I, 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 I want the knife. I want the knife. Please. Oh, what are you drinking? Uh, just some Coors. Coors Light. Coors. I switched over to uh, Happen Harry's. It goes, it was getting a little sweet. That was a uh, that was a big jump from a, a Goza to a lager. Kind of the way it's a big jump to go from Golden Child, or uh, Big Trouble in Little China, to Golden Child. I wouldn't say it's a jarring... I'm no, ha- I'm I mean, it's it... an appropriate jump, but it's just... The movies were very similar. Um, and very, very different. And <laughs> very different. Eastern themes, there's a... Forces of evil have to steal some sort of pure or holy person or being to make make good their machinations of, of evil. That's basically the plot of this. Evil. Uh, Edward R. Rooney, Dean of Students, steals a teeny tiny little Asian Jedi. You know what? You, you say that and Lisa was like, she's like his brother. I'm like, she's like his like brother from another mother. Like, they had the same dad. And talking about the Sago Noomspa? Yeah, Ed Rooney from (laughs) the principal Ed Rooney is in Chicago and his half brother over in England. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny that you made that comparison. (laughs) It's It's like I I, I couldn't. I I started looking to see if maybe Jeffrey Jones had auditioned for the part or something and didn't work for some reason just because he looked so much like him. But. I couldn't find anything. Well, most people who know this guy now know him. If you watch Game of Thrones, he's the character Tywin Lannister. Oh. And so... I don't watch Game of Thrones. And the first time I knew of... Um, what is his name? Charles Dance. He... Uh, I remember him in... Um, is he in Last Action Hero? Yeah. That's another terrible movie. This isn't... Okay, let me back up. Golden Child isn't a terrible movie. I just, it's a movie that has problems. That you can't completely fix with Eddie Murphy. And what what really sucks about it is um, I had fond memories of it. I hadn't seen it in several years. And I remember uh, in my younger days just loving this movie. And I, it didn't... <laughs> it doesn't hold up. Which, <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> that's, that's, my, uh, that's my... Does it still hold up? No. <laughs> Um, the first thing I thought was they tried to make it sound like Beverly Hills Cop at the beginning with the music. 
Um, I fully expected to see it say Harold Faltermeyer. Yeah. But it, it Oh, there is a connection though. What what is well, that? Well, you take Harold Faltermeyer who did the music for um Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. He did the music for Fletch mm-hmm. and the guy who directed Fletch directed this movie. Ah. I okay. didn't even have that written down. I just had that in my head. <laughs> Once I knew who directed The Golden Child was who directed, directed by uh, who directed this? Uh, Michael Ritchie. Michael Ritchie. Okay. And he did The Bad News Bears. He's done a few other things. <laughs> I was looking up his information on like Wikipedia, and it said like he passed away a few years ago, and it said that he that they, someone made some type of comment in whether it was just an article after he passed said how someone who'd had such an inconsistent career in Hollywood was this director. <laughs> yeah. It's well now that you say that it makes it uh because there's Beverly Hills Cop, which then um who directed Fletch? Uh Michael Ritchie. He did like he did, he Fletch. did this. He did Fletch. He as did well. Fletch. Okay. And he did this movie. He did not do So Fletch feels kinda like Beverly Hills Cop in that it's just that He's just He's a, a fish out of water. Yeah, except he's, he's in he's, the water for part of the movie. He's seventy percent in his comfort zone and then and has that, to go to Tibet. Yeah. So at the beginning of this it just feels like he's like just a slightly more refined Axel Foley. He's not just a, a young brash cocky cop. He's uh right. he's ten years it feels like he's a ten year he feels like he's ten years older than Axel Foley was. But it's the same He's in the neighborhood. He's putting up flyers. He knows this guy, and then he's. He goes, I don't think they developed his character enough. Not at all. It's yeah. I, I, they're telling me he cares about missing and exploited children, and all. But he doesn't scene, like. Well, when he's watching, what was it? Uh, he's on that TV show, and he keeps getting interrupted, and he's trying to tell about this girl who's been kidnapped or is missing yeah. or whatever, and can't get more than three words out before the host jumps in on it. Yeah, and yeah, it's humorous. But it doesn't really. I don't know why he is the private detective extraordinaire who yeah, searches is he, for lost children. Is he a wounded, disgraced? Not disgraced. But is he is he a wounded, retired cop? Is he a psychic? Is he mystical? Was he ad- abducted when he was? A you just kid? you just you meet know, him. There's and it's no just, it's drive like, here. It's it, it's Eddie Murphy, and he's a little he's a little more stylish because he's got a leather thing on his head. He's looking for people. He's gonna say stuff and go, and that's. He has drive in Beverly Hills Cop. There's a reason yeah. why he does. That's why that movie works so well. Is you feel for that character, mm-hmm. and in this one, I don't feel like I feel for the character. You just yeah. This one, you're just waiting for him. You're to, just waiting. What's ne- what's the next they, joke? They underhand pitch him a softball, yeah. and then is he gonna knock it out of the park, or is <sighs> it? Yeah. 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 It's like, and, it, and honestly, most of the time, the, he doesn't ever get a, he doesn't ever get a, he gets a, like a, like a bunt, I don't know, baseball. So like, like an infield fly or something. Like okay. He'll get, he'll get a runner on base. He gets a grounder and usually may beat out the throw. Every four, every four jokes you get, you get a run yeah. batted in. There's yeah. a few that he hits and it works, but. But there's one I say uh, all the time to, uh my friend Hassan, um, I, I refer to him as my dear sweet brother Noomsi. <laughs> that's that's probably my favorite thing he says in the movie. Um, so there's my favorite line of dialogue too. Just burning through these. Um, uh, okay. I, <clears throat> so what's the plot? Well, it's like what do you get when you take uh, Beverly Hills Cop, 
uh-huh. mash it up with Indiana Jones thematic elements, uh-huh. uh, giving you the impression that it ripped off Big Trouble in the Little China. <laughs> <laughs> you get the Golden Child. Chandler Jarrell, and Chandler is a play, obviously, on the fact that this guy who wrote this movie uh, wanted this to be a Raymond Chandler-esque type of detective story with hmm. mystic elements. So, surprisingly enough, nail on the head with the lead character's name, Chandler Jarrell. Chandler Jarrell is a private detective who specializes in child abduction cases. He's approached by a mysterious and beautiful woman claiming that he is the chosen one who needs to help and locate the golden child who has been recently abducted by evil forces. Chandler must find this child and protect him as his fate, along with the world's, hangs in the balance. Just never really feels that way, does no. it? <laughs> Just, he was hauling ass in that, in that uh, was it a station wagon? <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> where he, he delivers chased by that, that flying demon thing Noomsie the dragon yes. where he actually delivers my second favorite line in this movie when he looks down at the kid and the kid's just taking it all in stride man and he goes somebody give you a Valium <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me <laughs> but uh, okay. that's just that's just a funny thing to say look I'm not I don't think we should break down plot points moving through the movie unless you have anything that you want to break down specifically this okay here's it's real simple this dude that looks like edward r rooney deed of students sardo numspa not as fat he's not as fat and probably not into child porn. <laughs> and is british and is british uh and is scarier than edward, so r. Rooney. edward. edward r rooney dean of students younger thinner scarier british half-brother breaks into a monastery at the beginning of the movie who's also a demon but we don't know the scene. He's, Spoiler he's, alert. He's a he's a demon from another semen. He uh oh, I'll spit take. Awesome. <laughs> I can't dip down too far. I'll uh, pull apart half your setup. He and his little for some reason they're oddly looking mutated, melted action figure sidekick henchmen. Okay. Break into this Well they... break into this monastery, kill everybody. Take the kid. Take the golden child. Don't touch him, or don't let him touch you. Yeah, because he'll turn. You, you. find out the. I'm actually, let me back up. You find out the golden child is like a mystical sort of. He he has magical powers. That's it. Movie. He has magical powers. And he's a sweet looking kid. He's a sweet looking kid. Actually played by a girl. Yeah. Um. They you they, they my trivia. They, I'm, they, I'm sorry. <laughs> they uh, they steal him away. You meet Jaro. Um, Charo. Charo. Why do you keep mispronouncing my name, he says at one point. Um, to save the kid, the guy, Noomspa, is an agent of the devil, presumably. He's one of his right hand. Yeah. Right. Demon guys. Right hoof men. Right hoof men. <laughs> I like that. He's stolen a child to, I guess, sacrifice him to the devil to make evil happen to destroy the world. Eddie Murphy is going to make that not happen because he's Eddie Murphy. And he Again, has a medallion that's special that he didn't want in the first place. Oh, yeah. And he has to get the knife. Because they keep telling us he's the chosen one. He right. does nothing through the movie to be the... He's re- hey, he proved himself to be the chosen one he when did, he walked over... But he spills water. He, he spills water. He didn't spill He water. did. Watch the movie again. There's a drip of water that spills out over his hand. It's well, in the, he didn't spill enough for the... For Monty to see? Right. Uh, that's actually another line I like. So, There's a floor, Monty. There's a floor. And then he... There's no floor! <laughs> um, maybe I like this movie better than I thought. 
There um, are good I don't, lines. I don't, in don't. The, no, There are good lines in the movie, but and that's all it is. It's a it's a it's a it's a weak story. It's a tired. Eddie Murphy wins in the end. By the way, there. That's that's the plot of the what happens. He wins. Summary of the movie. Uh, he stabs the demon with the knife. It's a it's a it's a it's a tired. And then they throw a Dodger cap on the kid, and then and put it on backwards, and they walk into a parking lot. Because it's L.A. <laughs> Where is a parking lot? And the rest- I did find that odd that it's like everything's happy and they're talking about they're gonna, she's going to be gone for a couple weeks and it puts the you know the kid's bald and he's wearing like jeans and a striped shirt and to make him look she, American yeah for some to make reason. him look American in the eighties and they put a ball cap on backwards and they walk into like a parking lot <laughs> and then the credits roll and it just seemed odd that that's where they ended it. Did the ending seem rushed? It's like, oh my god, these special effects are not so great. Let's. Uh, <laughs> the, it's like the editor went in and like, I gotta trim this up. See, I, and <laughs> it's like, it's like with Big Trouble with special effects. I'm different. For me, special effects are like pizza. Even when they're bad and extra cheesy, they're really good. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I can't. Um, but this one, you won't lose me with bad special effects. Even this one. No, not really. really. I mean, they're 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 cheesy, but so are so are the ones in Big Trouble. They're, they're I still feel that the ones in Big Trouble held up better. Sure, sure. They didn't feel like they were crammed in. This one, they feel like they jammed them in at the end when his when. Uh, Noomspa? Noomspa, you know, splits in pieces. Uh, that, no, that that puppet is shit. It's it's garbage. It it moves like. It seemed it still felt like they were working on stop motion. Was it stop it's motion? Like, I don't think it was. Uh, maybe I know ILM did the visuals for it. I have no idea. They don't have that on their resume, do they? They did better with the Pepsi can putting on the Ritz <laughs> dance than they did with that demon. Like as a kid, it was kind of scary because it's not it's not smooth. It doesn't move smoothly, and its features are jagged and right. and weird. And it still feels that way, but it's. Just overall, it feels like a flat, sort of tired, cliched story that they're, like you said, they how can we how can we make this palatable? So they put Eddie Murphy in it and kind of, hey, just do Axel Foley, okay? Yeah, but well, that, that's kind of what I put here. It's don't like, say what, the F word. And it's like what doesn't work. I went like, the film's modern score doesn't feel right. Mm. Uh, the special effects, in my opinion, don't age well. And like you said, it's like you said, it's. Whether they're like pizza toppings, you still like it. Whether uh, special cheesy. effects are like pizza. Even when they're bad and extra cheesy, they're still good. Okay. And then thirdly, Eddie Murphy's performance, well, fine, does, it doesn't feel as organic as other more recognizable characters in his films from that same like decade. Sure. They don't. It doesn't feel as organic. It feels like he was kind of shoved into this one. And he passed on like 20 different scripts until he decided, I like this one. Do you know... I don't know what other 20 movies he passed on, which would have been interesting. I can tell I you one. I can tell you one. Which, what's one? Star Trek Four, and there's your Spock uh, callback. Eddie Murphy turned down a role in Star Trek Four to as, be in this. As the whale? I have. <laughs> here's and what I have written. Is the guy carrying the boombox that he gets a Vulcan neck pitch on the bus and knocks him I, I don't know. I, I was just trying to think what he would have... What I what I have written here is Eddie Murphy turned on a role in Star Trek Four to be in this. The hell would he have played in Star Trek Four? I can't think of any. I mean, he would he have been. Did a they change his character from 
of male to female, and that's the scientist. I don't know. I, I didn't research it any further because I want to. I want to live in a world where I can imagine what he would have been in Star Trek for, <laughs> rather than knowing what and he would have been. Know what he would have been to be disappointed. It works yeah. better as a mystery, like you never know. Okay, well, this does it just me the one time that uh, that uh, <laughs> Brother Noomsi, uh goes back and has a teleconference with the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it not sound like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget? I have written down, why do all evildoers hire idiots <laughs> as henchmen? That's amazing. I mean, it destroys his ability and credibility. It, is, you know, I put it, it destroys his ability as well as his credibility as a demon to have numbskulls and halfwits as his help while on <laughs> Earth. Yeah. Do you not have a good... Like, like, like a half-monkey... Dude, but he's like breakdance half monkey. Right, he's, dude. A, he's, he's like breakdancing half monkey, half human. He's he's, he's a hybrid. Relations. Then you have uh, Randall Tex Cobb as sort of a. What else was he in? I didn't even look it up. I know his face. He is the things, uh, here. He plays clearly someone who's missing. Here is a line that was delivered to him in a movie. Uh, Give me back that baby, you you warthog from hell. He plays the warthog from hell in Raising Arizona. Oh, that's why I know his face. The biker. He's the, he's one of the he's the big biker, right? Yeah. Okay. He was in Police Academy Four. Okay, well, I've um, lost me. Already. An episode of Married with Children. <laughs> yeah, um, and he was in a, a, a salsa commercial back in the nineties. And I'm not pulling this off IMDb. This is all in my head. What's it like? Uh, the the commercial said something like this. Um, what do you do when you want a thick, manly salsa? You do what Randall Tex Cobb would do. And then it shows him like with a big-ass chip eating salsa. Okay, let's see here. Uh, in the category of box office winners, the golden child reigned supreme over Big Trouble in Little China. Really? Could be because Eddie Murphy? Gold, golden child budget, $25 million. Domestic gross, $79 million. Release date, the end of the year. They released this about uh, two weeks before Christmas. This is right at the end of the year in 86, huh. Golden Child. Uh, Paramount still considered it to be a disappointment because their previous release with Eddie Murphy, which was Beverly Hills Cop two years previous, grossed $234 million. So I guess grossing three times the amount that it cost <laughs> is not good enough because it did not gross ten times the amount. Big Trouble in Little China, approximately the same budget of about $25 million. It grossed $11.1 million, and it was released July 2nd, 1986. Whew. It's the- well, look, that's, that's the other interesting thing. I don't know what trivia that you read up. Uh, Carpenter was offered a direct but turned it down. I do, I do remember that. Carpenter was offered a direct, turned it down, stating they preferred a similar script called Big Trouble in Little China... He said the script had its problems, but it also had one big plus. It had Eddie Murphy attached. <laughs> it just goes to show that a star and a better release date do not a better movie make. Right. And also shows that American moviegoers are idiots a lot of the time and will make a substandard movie a hit over one that is superior. Well, professional photographer Dennis Feldman was the screenwriter who had written one other movie... Uh, what was his other movie? I've written it down here. Uh, just one of the guys. Oh God! I've never seen the movie. I, the the, <laughs> the box and movie poster is iconic because she's, she's wearing the... football helmets over her breasts. I've seen it. I've so seen it. A I've never. Times. I don't think I've ever seen it. 
So, but the only other movie that I know specifically that he wrote that I had to search on, what else has this guy written? Species. Not a bad movie. If uh, maybe about I should, uh, nine years later, he finally sold Species. Maybe I should hold but, judgment and watch that again. <laughs> you may. You may want to do that. Uh, so, screenwriter Dennis Feldman, his original screenplay was called The Rose of Tibet. And he planned it as a Raymond Chandler movie with supernatural elements. It attracted Hollywood's attention, and after a bidding war, Paramount Pictures purchased it for $300,000, which was an astronomical price to pay at that time for a script. Why so much? Um, I because people were very much interested in it. And my assumption is is that it was it's a possibility that Eddie Murphy was also interested, potentially attached or going to be attached to it, which okay. also caused the bidding to go up. Uh, it was supposed to star Mel Gibson, Ugh. who had yet to have his breakout role, which would come later in Lethal Weapon a year later. Uh, uh, he didn't think Michael Ritchie did a great job with the film either, the screenwriter said. Um, he says, you had to get in there and make this action-adventure detective film, but instead everybody wanted to make an Eddie Murphy comedy. He said, I think uh, that wasn't what Eddie should have done. It's not what the director should have done, and he didn't even do it that well either. It was a nightmare, is what his opinion uh, was. And it, it now that you say that, it, it I have that in here somewhere. It teeters in that... It's got one foot in the sort of serious mystery, mysticism kind of thing, and then the other foot in the Eddie Murphy verse of where he just he just shouts insults and threats at people, you know? Um, yeah. Or it's, I, I don't know. It just it doesn't he doesn't play well in it. I don't think Eddie Murphy liked the movie that well because according to other stuff that I found, I said Eddie Murphy trashed this movie when he was promoted coming to America. <laughs> He's yeah. saying the original script was far better than what the finished product was, and apparently even the novelization was closer to what was originally intended. Might be worth a read. But what's really interesting is after this, Eddie Murphy would write or be involved with the story of his next five films in a row, including Beverly Hills Cop 2, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Another 48 Hours, and Boomerang, which is kind of funny, but they said that... <clears throat> The special effects techniques that were developed for this movie were originally developed for Who Framed Roger Rabbit with ILM. They called it the Tondro system based off of a uh, cinematographer, Bill Tondro. Uh, it's a live-action motion-controlled system which enables any camera move to be recorded on floppy disk. Wow. Floppy disk. So you're telling me... They developed a technology for Roger Rabbit. And they, they, they developed they, it early. It's that they utilized new special effects techniques that were developed and so this was tuned for Roger Rabbit. Golden Child was in, in essence, sort of a, a, a testing ground. Correct. Because it, it, it fell flat and didn't work really there. And then with Roger Rabbit, it still today looks Yeah, they said awesome. that... Uh, well, I can't imagine. you got to think how long they worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that type of movie, and the amount of visual effects that went into that movie... They had but it shows. It? It. So they jumped the gun. They said that uh, one of their uh, ILM guys said that the visual effects supervisor, Ken Ralston, said that the tests for Who Framed Roger Rabbit 
went so well that they decided to use it on the Golden Child first. I don't know what specifically they used it on, but they said it was like trial by fire. And you could tell, it says, <laughs> that uh, it says, we had our fingers crossed all the time, but we were pushing the system as far as we could. The Los Angeles Times reported that the special effects were not completed until a few days before the film opened. And one scene <laughs> the ILM crew had fun with, you could tell, was the, uh, the Pepsi can dancing to putting on the Ritz. In my notes here, so actually I say I, I told you earlier I had four pages. I actually have three pages of notes where then the top of page four it says boom done. Whew. Boom, it brings done. me to the if I like to I like to say it like this: if you had a magic wand and you could wave it over this movie and change one thing, what would it be? Uh, <clears throat> less focus on supernatural, more focus on the Chandler Jarrell as an actual detective. I put. I, I have more tension. Or, or it didn't seem like there was. There was much in regards to suspense for that. No, movie. there's I no mean, no real danger. There's no peril. The only thing I was concerned about is how fast Eddie Murphy was driving that station wagon or whatever it was. <laughs> that was the most exciting part. That was that was, and then they show up in like a. They they perfectly picked wherever they decided to have that finale to look like crap. So it's like find this warehouse <laughs> that's about to be torn down because that's where we're going to shoot the finale. It's like the kid is the kid is sure he's in he's in the clutches of evil, but he's never anything they try to do to him. He's easily able to combat or thwart with his little Jedi powers. He's never really he never suffers. Not that I want to see the kid suffer, but he's never you don't you don't feel you don't feel for anybody in this movie. Um, yeah. Just it's like a straw man sense of danger. Yeah, there's I was just like, this. You're supposed to be scared here or, or worried, and I'm, I'm not. I don't. There's still that curiosity. It's like I, I put like I'm not saying that I want a more serious script. Sure, but sure. I'm curious how this film would have played if it had been Mel Gibson with supernatural elements that had been turned down to like a six, <laughs> and replacing the modern score with what John Barry had originally written. They. They took John Barry, who, you know, John Barry's done a ton of yeah, James yeah. Bond. He's done loads of scores. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to see what that had looked like. Just sure, because it would not have felt. I'd like to add. That I don't to, think it would have felt as dated. That's a magic music. wand with three changes, but I'll let you have it. <laughs> what, what, is there one thing you want to change? D- just attention, like real, just call to action. Why should I watch your movie today? Well, Eddie Murphy. That's that's all they had. Is Eddie Murphy, and that I, I would like to give credit to the um, I can't remember her name. Charlotte Lewis. Charlotte Lewis. Key Nang. Also, that's the name of the character. Not, I, if someone put a gun to my head and said, "What's the name of the character?" I would have got. I, I purposely wrote it I down so know. I could do that, but <laughs> um, she also is not a uh, this piece of lady meat. Hung there to be in trouble and rescued by. This is like her. Chandler. This is like her second movie. Like, she would have been in one other movie with like Roman Polanski. She was eighteen when she shot this. Yeah, she's hey, she kicks ass. Yeah, she she whoops some ass. Um, she whoops ass, and she doesn't just fawn over Chandler. Uh, they they kind of shoehorn a, a love interest in there, which is not. I'm not buying that, but. Well, he's interested in her. Sure, and she. Well, no, that's you're you're right. I initially was going to downplay that, but it's true. It's like he's interested in her. She's like no, and then by the time she's told, well, maybe he is, then she then he pushes 
her advances. You know. But it's still not. It's not. It's it's actually tastefully done. It's not only. It's not. They don't say, play on the full romantic. Yeah, I won't say tastefully moment, done. It's just it's. It's, it's against. It's against type. Co- yeah. It's against type, which is I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, I'll give them credit for that. They 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 wrote her fairly well. Um, do you want Do you want to know what the original John Barry sort kind of sounded like? Do you have a? a I do. Yeah, let's uh, take a, let's take a listen. Go ahead. You'll hear there's a touch of repetitiveness after about a minute, and so. But this is like the opening scene of what it would have been like. This is in the. Dormant. Already way better. I can. Yeah. Makes me want to watch it. I wonder if I can download this whole score and just watch the movie <laughs> in sequence of. The yeah. Movie. Without the dialogue, just mute the movie, but have this play. But like yeah, a, it's it's considerably more epic. Well, it adds it it's, adds that tension that I was yeah. talking about. At least a touch more of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As, Compared to you just slapping the bass with yeah. your Asia. Does it still Does it still hold up? Uh, I can't say yes or no to that one, and the reason why I would say it does or doesn't is everything works in the film's favor until you get to the special effects. Then it starts to fall apart for me, specifically. It's like the editor realized this and tried to wrap things up very quickly <laughs> once Sardo Numsva transforms into a demon. Oh, they figured it out. Go, go. Get to the end. Get to the end. I mean, did you have... <laughs> what's... Did you? What was your favorite line? You already said. Did you? What was it? Uh, what did I say it was? Or my, my dear brother. Numsi. Oh yeah, my so, dear sweet brother Noomsi. I mean, I really tried to find something that was Eddie Murphy perfectly for this movie. It was him and a, a conversation between him uh, and Keenang, which is the girl, mm-hmm. saying she's over three hundred years old. How do you manage something like that? It says, one of her ancestors was raped by a dragon. Does that happen a lot where you come from? <laughs> That's a good one. He actually delivered that one fairly yeah. fairly dry. <laughs> what I have written is, if, you, if you're somewhere without Netflix or whatever, and the only TV you had access to got three channels, and you were really <laughs> bored, and just wanted to veg out and watch a, like a light Sunday afternoon movie, sure, it holds up. Otherwise, no. Otherwise, try to find Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, put that one instead. I should have put that. And let me make an addendum. If Big Trouble in Little China is not available either, maybe then maybe it'll work. Um, <laughs> My final thoughts are this: the Golden Child represents the best and the worst of Hollywood. It takes an enormously talented comedian with a magnetic persona and places him in the middle of a script. That has a that has a few really good ideas, but is also in serious need of a rewrite. Mm. Rather than rewriting the script to make it better, they rewrite the role instead, hoping that the hired talent's wisecracks will make the viewer forget that the film is filled with endless Asian cliches and swashbuckling tropes that we've seen a hundred times before. And for the most part, it works. The film is loosely held together by the glue of Eddie Murphy, 
the exotic Charlotte Lewis, an absolutely adorable J.L. Reet, who is in fact a girl, like we dressed her for, and the squinting-eyed charm of Victor Wong. The good outweigh the bad here, but in the long run, the film fails to leave a lasting impression. Ouch. Yeah, um, I have, <coughs> for my final thoughts... Minder. I get the ouch, and you're the one that hates the movie. <laughs> I remember liking this movie way more. It feels like they just gave Eddie Murphy the script and said, add your flavor. It feels like a movie that's on, on the TV inside another movie. It's slow... The love interest aspect is just wedged in for some reason. Um, there's, her, there's where I've written her name. Key is sort of uh, dangled between female lead and passive lady love. I'm, I'm bummed out a bit. I thought I liked it more. And uh, one thing we have neglected to mention is uh, there are three actors in this that were also in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Um, uh, the three actors are... It's one of the Raidens. I got it marked. Yeah, one of the Raidens. Uh, the Rain... Peter Kwan. I think that's the dude that had the long hair. I think. I, th- I think you're I right. Because he's, he's, uh, he's Tommy Tong. Right. At the thing earlier. Which... And then um, James Hong, who plays David Lopan in Big Trouble. And mm. then Victor Wong, who plays Egg Shen in Big Trouble in Little China. And I call him Booger Jacket in this, in Golden Child. Oh, that's <laughs> You just gotta whack that right on there, aren't you? Get nice. that off your jacket before it frees up and cuts you. Right. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, you know what? It could have just been a pamphlet. Eddie Murphy's Eddie Murphy's quips. But see, they don't they don't hold up on their own. So you have to watch the movie a couple of times to be able to quote the five or six, maybe maybe ten funny lines Eddie Murphy says. And if we've uh <laughs> if we've pissed you off and completely dashed one of your favorite movies or completely uh, lauded one of your not favorite movies being Big Trouble, let us know in the comments. Let us know movies you'd like us to watch and filter through our weird filters, <laughs> brains, I don't know. Um, As have- we feed one of our obsessions of enjoying a beer and talking about stupid crap that means nothing to what goes on in the world. But it's a nice distraction. It is. What uh, what movie are we doing next time, Nathan? Uh, what 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 pair? First of all, like we we originally had this written down as movie A versus movie B because they were supposed to be like doppelganger movies, but we we sort of changed it. But in this regard, I, I say the versus still holds up. I, I think Big Trouble in Little China versus uh, the Golden Child. I think Big Trouble wins if that wasn't evident. Yeah, Big Trouble wins. Okay, I'll make a suggestion as to what what one we do what one we do next time. I'm super excited about it. Um, Go ahead. I, my vote goes for Predator and Total Recall. Well, we can do that. We can go back to our childhood and watch the live-action versions of movies <laughs> of the cartoons that we actually like to watch. Tell the folks what movie we're. we're tell the folks <laughs> what, what two movies we're gonna. We're gonna pair together uh, the Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren classic, Masters of the Universe. I have the power. <laughs> And G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> it's going to be a barn burner. Well, look, we had uh, I gave you the choice. I said it's G.I. Joe or... I just hate the Transformers. Transformers. I never <laughs> liked the Transformers. <laughs> and you said, well, I said it's a poop sandwich. It's either got, <laughs> when I say it's either got uh, 
you get a poop sandwich and you either have Miracle Whip or it's got mayo, but it's still a poop sandwich. What are you going to pick? You're like, G.I. Joe. Yeah. It was no question. Yeah, no question. You I still like have G.I. Joe's. I still have G.I. Joe's and I still have He-Man figures. I don't play with them much, but I still have them. I never had Transformers. I was never a Transformers kid. Yeah. Next time is Masters of the Universe featuring Dolph Lundgren, the live-action Masters of the Universe, and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Grab those up and watch them. We'll get into that in the next episode. Um, that's it for this time. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're not bored of tears. Hope you didn't turn it off halfway through going, why am I listening to these two idiots babble on about things that really don't make any difference whatsoever? Well, it's because we like them and that's why we talk about it. We hope you do too. Um, we will, uh, we will think, drink, and talk to you next time. You guys, uh, have a wonderful week. 